millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. To his patients... He was nothing short of a miracle worker. In a career that spanned more than 40 years, Dr. Norman Barwin made the dream of having children a reality for thousands of couples who struggled with infertility. They said if anybody can get us pregnant, it's it's him. His success earned him nicknames like the Baby God and the Baby Whisperer. Growing up, Cat Palmer's parents were open with her about their struggles to get pregnant and that they turned to the doctor for help in conceiving her. My parents were very proud of the fact that they had gone to see Dr. Barwin. He was this amazing doctor who gave us you, they would say. In 1997, he received the Order of Canada, the country's second highest civilian honor. But within a few years, Norman Barwin's reputation would begin to unravel, with two lawsuits, one in 2004 and another in 2006, accusing him of using the wrong sperm with five different patients. Those lawsuits prompted other patients, as well as their children, to start asking questions about their genetic heritage. Kat Palmer was one of them. There was this news article that showed up and it had this name that I recognized. Ottawa Fertility Doctor, Dr. Barwin, in hearing for using wrong sperm. And I remember clicking into that article and just having this feeling in the pit of my stomach that something was not quite right. In conceiving Kat, her parents used donor sperm, but her physical characteristics didn't match up with what she'd been told about the donor. She started to suspect that Dr. Barwin's admitted sloppiness with sperm samples might explain the nagging feelings she had about her own genetic heritage. I would go through waves with searching lists of sperm banks and their donors in the 90s and comparing DNA results and just getting dead end after dead end after dead end. Until one day... Kat Palmer realized that the truth of where she came from had been staring her in the face all along. So I remember Googling Dr. Norman Barwin and seeing a photo of him for the first time in my adult life, 
and realizing just how alike we did look in that moment. I'm Catherine Fogarty, and this is Barwin's Babies, the story of the shocking betrayal of Dr. Norman Barwin, one that Kat Palmer would be pivotal in exposing. A betrayal so vast that it would lead to more than 100 people learning that their genetic heritage was not what they were led to believe it was. Perpetrated by a man who seemed to have no real sense of the kind of damage his actions caused. He actually asked to see a picture of Cat. So I got my phone out, and that man had the balls to say that she looked a bit like his mother. Tina Pitaway now with the story of Barwin's babies. Lion Palmer was in his late 30s when he and his former wife tried to start a family. I would be 38, and she, I think, would have been 36. They lived in Ottawa, and when their attempts to get pregnant weren't successful, their doctor referred them to Dr. Norman Barwin, who owned the Broadview Fertility Clinic. They said, if anybody can get us pregnant, it's, it's him. Elizabeth Payne is a reporter with the Ottawa Citizen, and she recalls the reputation Dr. Barwin had in the city at that time. He was hired in 1973 by uh, Ottawa's biggest hospital, the Ottawa Hospital, um, as director of high-risk pregnancy. South African originally uh, went to be trained and worked in Northern Ireland and then came to Canada. Absolutely beloved activist doctor for women's rights, for transsexual rights, abortion rights. He's been in the picture a long time around here as an extremely high-profile, outspoken doctor in, in that field. But Dr. Barwin's career at Ottawa Hospital would come to a strange end in 1984 when he failed to pass the gynecological exams after several tries, resulting in the loss of his hospital privileges. Turns out he didn't have that training as a gynecologist to work in Canada, um, and he never did complete that, which is why he eventually left and set up his own clinic. Dr. Barwin was still licensed as a GP, but he could no longer call himself a gynecologist. But there was nothing preventing him from continuing on with fertility treatments, and he soon gained a reputation for the successes he had with artificial insemination. For the Palmers, fertility treatments seemed like a good option. After their family doctor recommended him, they asked around the tight-knit Jewish community that they were part of and felt good about what other people had to say about him. For Lyon, it also brought about a sense of relief over certain anxieties that he had harbored for years about his own family's complicated history. I'm actually kind of glad I couldn't have babies. There are certain things in my family I didn't really want to have passed down. Basically, my dad was a victim of the Holocaust, and the Nazis injected him with all kinds of garbage, and he was diagnosed as having paranoid schizophrenia. So I didn't want to risk anything like that being passed down into another generation. Couples looking to conceive through treatments at the Broadview Clinic had a number of options, including using sperm from the fathers hoping to conceive, as well as opting for donor sperm. The, the person that we, we, we picked out was German-Irish, I think. 
somebody that was somewhat similar to myself and, you know, eye color build and the whole bit. They were told that the donor was a medical student who was also a talented musician. And within a few months, Lyon's wife was pregnant. And as a result... My name is Kat Palmer. I was born in Ottawa in January 1991. Kat Palmer is 31 years old now and lives in Vancouver. Growing up, she always knew there was a connection between her family and Norman Barwin. He was always a part of my story. I knew who he was. Nice older Jewish doctor that I knew from synagogue, that I knew from the arts community in Ottawa. And we would frequently run into him. And especially my dad was very adamant that I came over and said hi to this doctor. And while Lion and Kat's mom had been up front with her all along about Dr. Barwin helping them conceive, they decided to wait until Kat was older to tell her that Lion wasn't her biological father. But by the time Kat was in high school, she'd already started to think that something wasn't quite right about the story her parents had told her. Uh, so I was in my ninth grade biology class and we were studying uh, dominant and recessive genes. You know, two blue-eyed parents can't have uh, a brown-eyed child. And me being particularly precocious and bratty at 14, I was like, well, that's not true because my parents have blue eyes and and I have brown eyes. So, okay, like maybe you should look into what you're teaching, (laughs) teach. Uh, after that conversation with my biology teacher, I went home and it sort of settled with me. It made a lot of sense in some regard. Uh, I fit in with my family. It's not like I look so drastically different, but the blue-eyed piece made a lot of sense. Kat held back from asking her parents questions about exactly where she came from. But even though she was reluctant to ask her parents directly about what she'd learned in biology class, her questions, of course, remained. So in a roundabout kind of way, Kat worked up the courage to bring it up when she was alone with her mother. I remember looking at a family photo of my parents and myself and just going, oh, you know, mom, if you and... If you and dad had another kid, they'd probably have blue eyes, which was sort of my way of asking, is dad my real dad? Uh, And that's when the story sort of unraveled. Um, You know, your father and I had a really difficult time. We used a sperm donor, but don't tell your father that you know. It, It wasn't that strange for my mom to ask me to keep her secrets. And that was quite common of like, oh, don't tell, don't tell your grandparents this or oh, yeah, I I probably shouldn't have spent that much on your Halloween costume. Oh, don't tell your father. Like, that was very common growing up. So this was just yet another huge secret that I was keeping for her. Further complicating openness around all of this was the fact that this kind of secret keeping was pretty standard in the fertility industry in its early days. They were counseled, not only by Dr. Barwin, but by various other healthcare professionals, that they should keep that a secret from me, uh, and that's not something that I would need to ever know. Rules around record-keeping in regards to donor sperm, then and now, they're non-existent. It's a very sloppy industry on that front. It's really under-regulated. Ottawa Citizen reporter Elizabeth Payne. 
when technology began to allow for this to become more common, uh, the parents' wishes were what were considered and people did not consider what it would be like for a child. Um, you know, records weren't saved. You know, it, the goal is to give parents the baby they want, a healthy baby, and that's what we've achieved. That lack of records would one day prove to be a major frustration for Kat. Lion Palmer doesn't recall any conversations about the donor other than understanding that they were anonymous and would remain anonymous into the future. When we found the, quote, donor, um, we had to sign a, a waiver of some kind, a, a confidentiality, and he did not try and reach out to the donor ever. And there, but there's nothing really explained to us at all. Other, other than the actual medical pro- procedure, how it's done. But there's, as far as the, the ethics and the law, that wasn't even brought up, at, not, not even once. So throughout the rest of her years in high school, Kat kept her promise to her mom and didn't let on to her dad that she knew he wasn't her biological father. And Lion continued to keep up with what he thought was still his secret from Kat, just as he had done for years. But when Kat graduated high school and was getting ready to move to Vancouver, Lion wanted to share the truth of her conception with her before she moved away. When I was about 18, 19, leaving for college on the West Coast, my dad really was adamant that, you know, he had something he wanted to tell me. And I knew what that conversation would be. I wanted to talk talk to her about it alone. Lion and his wife were also in the process of divorcing. We went to um, uh, some restaurant. It was the first time that I ever saw him get really emotional. And I think this had been a conversation he had been planning from the day I was conceived. (laughs) Uh, I think I even interrupted him (laughs) and said, look, I know what you're going to (laughs) say. And um, she said, you know, basically, Dad, if you you want to tell me that I was conceived by a sperm donor, I know it already. And it doesn't matter. (laughs) Mom told me. (laughs) Okay. Well, what do you want for supper then? (laughs) That's how that conversation went. He was flabbergasted that I knew. Um, I think he was quite upset uh, at my mom for having shared the secret with me without him being involved. Yeah, I was extremely pissed off at, 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 yeah, yeah. But there's nothing I do about it, so. In that conversation, there was something else that Lion wanted to put on the table for Kat to think about to give her his blessing in a way. My dad told me, you know, you might have half-siblings out there. And I really wasn't interested in looking for half-siblings at that point. Um, But around 2012, there was quite a lot of stories coming out of donor-conceived siblings reuniting and realized that I I might be one of those people who had donor-siblings out there that I didn't know about. Those stories really hit a nerve with Kat. And she began to think about what it would be like to connect with potential half-siblings. I very much would have benefited, I think, from having brothers and sisters in my life when I was younger. Uh, I was quite a lonely only child. Websites like 23andMe and Ancestry DNA were really beginning to take off. Users send in a DNA sample and their results are uploaded and compared to millions of others on the site. People can trace maternal and paternal ancestry, and lots of donor-conceived people were finding matches with half-siblings and cousins, and sometimes even donors themselves. I grew up in the age of the parent trap, you know, having this long-lost sibling out there is really nice. It's a really warm thought, and and it, it was the first time I had really thought about 
having siblings and not needing to find the donor per se. But on my birthday in 2013, January 31st, 2013, I woke up and I was scrolling through Twitter and there was this news article that showed up in the Ottawa Citizens Twitter feed and it had this name that I recognized, Dr. Barwin. The headline to the article is burned into Kat's memory. Renowned Ottawa fertility Dr. Barwin in hearing for using wrong sperm. And I remember clicking into that article and just having this feeling in the pit of my stomach that something was not quite right. I think in that moment, pieces started to fit together in a way that they hadn't before. I never felt particularly German and Irish. I was very connected to the Jewish side of my family. Uh, And the further I read into this article, the more words started to jump out at me, uh, particularly just how many errors there had been at his clinic. But that really was the moment for me that I knew I had to look into it further. The first thing Kat did was sign up on a donor sibling registry website. These sites match the offspring of donors to one another, but she immediately ran into a roadblock. I didn't have a donor number. I knew the clinic. I knew that it had been the Broadview Fertility Clinic, but I didn't have a donor number, and I didn't know which sperm banks Dr. Barwin might have used or if that was a live sample. So I called his clinic. From the outset, Kat dealt with the office staff instead of Dr. Barwin. She asked about a donor number. They couldn't find the file. There were pieces missing of the file. They didn't have any of that initial documentation from when I was conceived. They suggested possible workarounds. Look into your blood type because we might be able to find uh, a donor list that might give us some idea based on your blood type. But they just kept presenting me with pieces of information that were incomplete and were inaccurate. Elizabeth Payne. She asked and asked, could never get any records from the clinic. She was persistent. She, She was incredibly persistent, didn't take no for an answer. Getting nowhere with the clinic staff, Kat asked to speak with Barwin directly about it. And I wasn't threatening in that conversation. It was just trying to get as much information as I could out of this this man. So very simply, if I was a woman who was coming in to get pregnant in 19, in the spring of 1990, where would you have gotten your sperm samples? He told me that there were three clinics he used. So I got on the phone and I called every single one of those clinics. Two of them didn't even exist at the time I was conceived. And one of them did not start sending sperm to Dr. Barwin's clinic until the summer of 1990, which wouldn't work with when I was born. But even though Norman Barwin seemed open to helping Kat, he also seemed a little puzzled by her need to find the donor number. He specifically said to Kat, you have a good life. What are you worried about this for? You know, why are you obsessing on this? If you're so successful, you're in a really great relationship. Shouldn't this be enough for you? You know, like, I, th- I just think, I just worry about your mental health. And it's, it seems very obsessive. You're very obsessive about this. Kat found Barwin's disconnect around this baffling. Close your eyes and think of the image of who your (laughs) biological father is. Most people can answer that question, but I didn't have that picture. But knowing these 
pieces of your story and, and where you come from. I think it's a very human need. And then he told me that, you know, it might be, he might have used a local donor um, from the University of Ottawa. It might have been one of his students. And okay, well, can I go to the Ottawa U and pull out their old yearbooks and start trying to look through and see if I see faces that look like mine? Uh, so it really I felt like I was looking for a needle in a haystack, but it it was a field full of haystacks. I didn't even know which haystack to start looking through because there was just so much misinformation and also information that felt like I was being guided away from from the answer. Elizabeth Payne. You know, the regulation in Ontario essentially boils down to making sure that equipment is clean and sterilized. It's really under-regulated, and this is an area that has caused chagrin for many people, including donors, actually. I've spoken to a donor who said, you know, he didn't understand the process. Turns out he could have been the father of up to 200 children, and he didn't understand that's what could happen in the case. He was donating on a regular basis for a while. It still is kind of the Wild West. Kat knew she was walking a tightrope in her efforts to get information out of Barwin. At any moment, he could just shut her down by shutting her out. So, really, Dr. Barwin, he had every right to tell me, no, your parents picked an anonymous donor, go away. (laughs) I think in some ways, because I had known him my entire life. He was this nice man from Shul that I knew that my parents were so thankful for. So I think he he tried to remain very cordial. And Kat managed to keep those lines open, even in the face of Barwin's odd and frustrating disconnect over why this search was important to her. He was very apologetic. You know, I'm very sorry. We just, we never thought that this was something that the children would would ever want access to. <laughs> you know, who your biological father is, is <laughs> we're not, we never thought that that might matter to you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. With no progress being made in tracking a donor number down, Kat decided to do what a lot of people were starting to do. I decided to finally take a DNA test. And when I took that DNA test, uh, I did not find the German and Irish that I was expecting. uh, And it came back Ashkenazi Jewish. Millions of people with Ashkenazi Jewish DNA trace their ancestry to what is now Eastern Europe and Russia. When I mentioned that to my aunt, uh, my aunt was the one to say, you know, have you have you looked at a photo of Dr. Barwin recently, Dolly? <laughs> and I really, in that moment, dismissed that idea. But I remember hanging up the phone that night with my aunt and Googling Dr. Barwin, Dr. Norman Barwin, and seeing a photo of him for the first time in my adult life and seeing myself in that photo and realizing just how, how alike... We, we did look in that moment. Um, it was very shocking to see not just my smile, but the way in which I smile reflected in this doctor that I had known my whole life. Kat burst into tears. The idea that Norman Barwin was actually her biological father was not something she was at all prepared to consider. And so I tried to dismiss it. I went, no, he just, he, you know, you're looking for an easy answer. And, and, and he, he looks Jewish and you look Jewish. So that's what you're saying, you know, calm down. It's not him. Don't worry. You're not, <laughs> there's been no other cases like this. He hasn't used his sperm in any of these other mix-ups. At this point, it's 2014, well over a year since that night in 2013, when Kat stumbled across that headline in the Ottawa Citizen that led her in search of her donor match. She put aside the disturbing idea that Barwin himself might be the donor and again focused her attention on online DNA searches. I would go through waves with searching on my boyfriend's computer, just (laughs) looking at lists of sperm banks and their donors in the 90s and comparing DNA results and just getting dead end after dead end after dead end. Complicating things was the fact that Kat was open in her online bio that she was donor-conceived on her paternal side. And over and over, when she did find a DNA profile that was a potential match, the people she connected with weren't really comfortable connecting with her. And inevitably, those matches would say, you know, you're donor-conceived, your parents were promised secrecy, your donor was promised secrecy, I don't want to overstep, so I'm not going to continue this conversation. 
And so I was kind of in a slump of, of just, it is what it is, I'm not going to get these answers. Not knowing answers was relentlessly exhausting, but so was the search. Over the next few months, she'd occasionally get an email notification of a potential match through the various DNA sites that she was signed up on, but she ignored them. By the summer of 2015, she'd kind of given up. And at that point, I wasn't following up with any DNA matches. Then one day that summer, two and a half years after she'd first read about problems with Barwin's lab, Kat finally caught a break. I was sitting at work one day, went to open my email on my lunch break, and here was this email. The man emailing her was a journalist based in New York City. The system had matched his genetic profile with Kat's, and rather than him being turned off by the note in her bio that mentioned she was donor-conceived, he wanted to offer her support. That's because his son was conceived with the help of an egg donor. And so it was one of the first things he wrote to me was, you know, my son is also donor-conceived, and if one day he ever does go looking for, um, for answers for, as to who his biological family is on that side, uh, I hope his matches want to help. But because this cousin was a journalist, he wanted the whole story, and so I broke it down. I'm a cat and donor-conceived. My parents went to this fertility clinic. Uh, the doctor's name was Dr. Barwin. The genetic relationship Kat and this man shared wasn't really clear. That's in part due to the very nature of DNA of Ashkenazi Jews. It was something Kat had run into a few times before. Ashkenazi Jews within, I think they say, eight generations are all pretty closely related. Um, so it sort of skews your DNA results. Frequently, you'll, you'll see a match that appears as a third cousin, but realistically, they're not your third cousin. They're more like a fourth or a fifth cousin because of the, the bottleneck effect. Intrigued by her story, this man promised Kat he'd do a little digging into the records he had, which as it turns out were pretty extensive. In addition to being an investigative journalist, this man took his genealogy seriously. Through a relative, he'd had access to an enormous collection of Lithuanian Jewish records. And later that night, after Kat had explained her predicament, he spoke to his mother about the connection he'd made with Kat. And in that conversation, he mentioned the name Barwin. And what his mother said next stunned him. He emailed Kat and said he needed to speak with her right away. And I remember answering that call and he was so sweet and so gentle and worried about how I might respond. He said, you know, Kat, I, I talked to my mom and here's the thing, she is very closely related to this doctor. His mom was the one to say, oh, the Barwins are our cousins. So I don't want to say it is this doctor, it might be a close male relative but you are related to him. This man wants to remain anonymous, so Kat refers to him in our conversation as simply her cousin. This cousin's family not only knew the region, they knew the town specifically where Dr. Barwin's family originated from. And he was able to specifically narrow down just how I was connected to him and build an entire family tree for me. After almost three years of searching, Kat had solid proof that showed in incredible detail the genetic relationship between herself and Norman Barwin. So, armed with all of that... So this cousin and I decided to write 
Dr. Barwin a letter. So the date that I sent it was August 13th, 2015 at 8.20 a.m. Dear Dr. Norman Barwin, I am writing this letter because I have found information that makes me believe that you used your own genetic material or that of a close relative in your fertility treatment of my mother and that I am genetically your descendant. I would like a friendly conversation on the phone or in a public cafe where I can ask you questions and learn more about who you are. While the news did shock me at first, I do not feel anger. That was not true. Kat went on to describe how she came to meet the reporter from New York. An active genealogist who has access to an enormous collection of Lithuanian Jewish records. Let me explain why I feel confident that you provided the sample. She went on to name the cousin's mother, whom Barwin would know. We share 174 centimorgans of overlapping genetic material, uh, a fairly large amount, typical of second or third cousins. She then goes on to recount the names in the family tree and how she is related to them. We're both born Barwin. Pointing out Barwin's relationships to them as well. And if I am genetically descendant from you, I am a second cousin once removed, precisely as the genetic findings suggest. It was an extremely thorough mapping out of Norman Barwin's genetic lineage and how Kat's genetic heritage intersected with it. And its conclusion was devastatingly clear. It seems clear that the only explanation for this connection is that you yourself provided the sample. My interest is very basic, very human. I want to know more about my genetic legacy and the story of how I came to be me. I painted him into a corner. I don't know where else he could have gone, (laughs) except for walk through some very wet paint. Kat braced herself for his reply. Within a few minutes, Dr. Barwin responded, saying, here's my phone number, please call me right away. Um, I couldn't have that conversation that day. I waited about a week to kind of build up my courage and uh, just was terrified about how this conversation might happen. What do you even say to someone when you suspect that they are your biological father and you've pinpointed exactly how that might be the case? Well, as it turned out, Kat's boyfriend was really good at navigating difficult conversations, and he had some great advice for Kat. He said, you know, you just have to call him. Hi, how's it going? What did you think of my letter? And he will just talk. And that's exactly how that conversation played out. I called Dr. Barwin, asked him you know, how he was doing and and what he thought of my letter. And he proceeded to talk for about 15 minutes straight. I have have no idea how this could have happened. This is not the outcome one might expect. Uh, The only way this might have happened is, you know, I bought a new sperm counter in 1990 and I was testing it and calibrating the machine and there must have been some contamination. And that's, that's how my sample was used. And it... It was quite incoherent, and um, he definitely was playing the victim card the whole time. And in that excruciating conversation, Dr. Norman Barwin made an astounding offer to Kat. He agreed to take a DNA test with me. I think because I had known him my entire life, there was this obligation of, oh, if I just do this for her, maybe she'll keep it quiet. Maybe she'll go away. A DNA test, of course, would provide definitive answers to Kat, proof that would also be pivotal evidence for other adult children of Barwin's former patients who were starting to find one another online. And a couple weeks later, the DNA company that we tested with uh, emailed 
the results to Dr. Barwin, and Dr. Barwin emailed the results to me. It was, in fact, him. He was my biological father, as we had suspected. He was very good at playing a part of, woe's me, what will my children think? This will destroy my family. Um, they're going to be so upset by this. He kept putting it back on me um, and the damage I was doing to his family and not the damage that he had done by doing this and by keeping the secret. Kat's patience with Dr. Barwin was pretty much worn thin at this point. I could tell he was being manipulative, but the guilt trip was working and I was feeling like the bad person in that situation. One of the things he repeatedly said was, you know, this this really, I didn't, I didn't do this intentionally. This was really just an inadvertent medical error. He kept saying, inadvertent medical error. And my response, if I was angry enough, was, well, if this really was just an inadvertent medical error, if people make mistakes, if you only did this once, then tell them. (laughs) But I knew it wasn't something that you only do once. And I knew I had other half-siblings out there. Kat's father, Lion Palmer, wanted answers too. When we knew it was him, I, I, I invited him out and he accepted And I said, okay, I want to meet you for coffee somewhere. So we did. We went to West End, went, had coffee, and he was really, really nervous. He was shaking. I I thought the poor man had Parkinson's. It was that that bad. You know, he couldn't hold the cup steady if he did. And he apologized, confirmed it. And he, he, he tried to tell me that he was testing out a sperm counter. And I'm thinking, that makes absolutely no sense. You don't use a sperm counter for that. And if you, like, no, there's something, something, something really wrong there. He had the nerve. When we, met at, when we met for coffee, he actually asked to see a picture of Kat. So I got my phone out and I showed him, I got my, into my, uh, my phone and I showed him a picture of, of Kat. And that man had the balls to say that she looked a bit like his mother. And then I said, you know, do you want to get together again for lunch or something sometime? And then, then, the, then, the, then the legal stuff started, and I, I just dropped the idea totally. That legal stuff started to fall into place pretty quickly. So I had reached out to some of the mothers involved with previous cases just for some support. Because <laughs> it's not exactly like there's an AA group <laughs> for this sort of thing. Kat and this mother developed a particularly strong connection. This woman had successfully sued Barwin years earlier for mixing up sperm samples used when she conceived. And she had been really helpful and really supportive. Um, But randomly, one day, she very strongly suggested that I get in touch with the lawyers because she had heard that they had a client who was also suspicious that Dr. Barwin was her biological father. That client was a woman named Rebecca Dixon. She was one year older than Kat and had recently learned that her father was not her biological father. Her parents, Davina and Dan Dixon, were devastated to learn a short time earlier that Dan wasn't Rebecca's biological father. Both Davina and Dan had blue eyes, but they chalked Rebecca's dark brown eyes up to a genetic rarity. But when Rebecca developed celiac disease, something that usually runs in families, 
They decided to run blood tests to see what blood types they all were. Rebecca's blood type turned out to be O. Dan's was AB. Men with AB blood cannot father offspring with type O. Reporter Elizabeth Payne. She wasn't the biological product of her father's that they always believed she was. And in fact, uh, one of the lawyers who had worked on cases involving Barwin, and he said lawyers often speculated, you know, gee, I wonder if there's any children who are his biological children, because there had been other cases around the world. And he said when Rebecca and her parents walked into his office, he said it, it was like a gut punch because he could see that she looked so much like him. Um, and he said, you know, they, they didn't have the evidence at that point, but he was just so struck by that. Rebecca Dixon and her lawyers might not have had the evidence proving a link between her DNA and Norman Barwin's, but Kat Palmer did. She contacted the law firm and shared her DNA results, as well as the emails from Barwin confirming the results of his DNA tests. Rebecca Dixon compared her DNA to Kat's, and they were very clearly half-siblings. Elizabeth Payne. Rebecca Dixon talks about is being disassociated from her face when she found this information out, feeling that she that it wasn't part of her anymore and how she went through this very difficult psychological and I suspect still is um, situation. Armed with Kat's DNA results and evidence from Barwin, the law firm began organizing a class action lawsuit. It would seek damages for patients and the children conceived through treatments who suspected that Barwin's sperm, or that of a donor not approved by patients, was used in their conception. In 2019, based partly on the evidence gathered by Cat and the law firm leading the class action, Barwin was stripped of his license to practice medicine. By the time it reached a settlement in December of last year, 244 people had registered as complainants. And of those, Barwin was found to be the father of a staggering number. Elizabeth Payne. Dr. Barwin became the father of at least 17 children, as far as we know. It's it's a massive thing. It's changed their lives, and they will tell you there have been some good things come out of it, but it has been really, really difficult for many of these families. Rebecca said, you know, they've gotten over it, and they've gotten back to where they were, but but it's, it's... shattering for the parents. It's very tough. Um, I've talked to other families who were supposed to, their children were supposed to be their dad's biological children, and they're not, but they don't know who the father is. In some ways, that's worse. I mean, those children will say at least the people involved in this related to Barwin know the situation and they have others they can talk to. But a lot of the fathers are angry. Um, There's still yet another group and they don't know yet whether perhaps their sperm was used uh, without their knowledge to create children uh, that they don't know about. So that's kind of hanging over them. There's a lot of people whose lives have been really shaken up and whose families have been shattered and turned upside down. Um, It's very tough. The settlement with Barwin amounted to just over $13 million. The maximum payout to individuals was capped at $50,000. And one aspect of the settlement that infuriates many, Barwin admitted to no wrongdoing. But in order to settle the lawsuit and move on with their lives, All the plaintiffs involved in the class action agreed to those terms. As for what to make of Norman Barwind and why he did this, that's still unclear. 
He's never given any interviews about this, and now, well into his 80s, he likely never will. Cat Palmer. Why Why did he do this? There's the question. I, I don't think we're ever really going to have the answer to why he did this or why he made those choices. Um, I think he's a very... I do... <laughs> I do want to give him credit where credit's due. He is a very compassionate human being, or so I've been led to believe your patients are coming in wanting a baby and you know how to do that and how to have a successful pregnancy. I think he just, he's from another time in the industry where, you know, he I don't think he sees anything wrong with what's happened. I think he, in some ways, he's, empathetic to my plight but in a lot of ways I don't think he will ever understand why it mattered so deeply to me Um, but uh, I don't think we'll ever really know why This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast written and produced by Tina Pittaway. Executive producer is Catherine Fogarty. Audio production is by Daniel Borgers at Borgers Music. Visit us at storyhunterpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter to get more information and updates about new podcasts. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you enjoyed this story and others, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and feel free to leave us a review. We appreciate you listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.